0: Well, I knew today was probably going to be difficult to preach from a passage that deals with joy, especially after last night. But aren't you thankful that our joy is not based upon what took place last night, but it is placed upon the perfect and eternal work of Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles and let's go to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4 is where we will be. Um, We will be in verse 9. It's an interesting conclusion to his letter. Uh, As Paul has spent a great deal of time in his letter encouraging the church at Philippi and then also allowing us to draw from it. Uh, our own application so that as we look at the letter we can draw from it in our own lives that that practical side of the way that we should live and the way that we should walk and it's interesting when you come to the last part of this letter chapter 4 beginning and we're going to look at the first nine verses today and only the first nine verses matter of fact beginning in verse 1 of chapter number 4 you find the word therefore And so, therefore, is bringing about the conclusion of the letter. In light of everything that Paul had written about and everything that Paul had discussed throughout the letter so far, uh, we come now to chapter 4, and he says, Therefore, and he also moves on in that first verse, and he says, and he makes a reference to those in the church at Philippi by saying, My beloved brethren. Uh, one of the insights that were given into the Apostle Paul you know one of the things sometimes that we struggle with is all of the, the churches that Paul was associated with all of the things that Paul was associated with as far as the ministry and the gospel was concerned uh, we find him at this point giving us a look into the very pastoral heart of, G, uh, of Paul himself And so he makes reference to those that were in the church at Philippi. He calls them my beloved brethren. And then you notice the next statement that he says, whom I long to see. One of the difficulties that Paul had in his missionary journeys and in his time of ministry was being able to get back to all of the churches. Being able to see all of those that he had had a part in. When Paul began, of course, his missionary journeys as he started... After the road to Damascus and eventually found his way through Antioch and then into the other regions, um, Paul had a longing to get back to be a part of the churches that he had been a part of. And he also makes uh, another reference to the people there in the church at Philippi. He referred to them as his joy and his crown. And in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved... And so you can see the very pastoral heart of Paul. And even though Paul wasn't there physically, Paul's heart, there was a part of Paul's heart that was in each of the churches that Paul had been a part of and that Paul had founded. You know, the word beloved that you see in verse number one speaks of the rich and deep relationship that Paul had with the church. And we can see it throughout the letter not just here in chapter number 4, but in other areas of the letter. If you flip back to chapter number 1, and notice in Philippians chapter 1, notice verse 3 through verse number 9, and notice as Paul speaks uh, about the church in in the opening part of his letter, he says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. And Paul just goes on as he talks about the relationship that he had, even with the folks that were in the church at Philippi. Even even in light of the difficulties, and and one of the things that I, I want you to gain as we think about where Uh, Paul is as Paul has written this letter Paul is in prison this is referred to and this is considered to be one of the prison epistles of Paul Uh, when you consider all that Paul went through in his in his in his ministry life in all of the days and all of the churches and all of the regions and all of the areas that Paul had been in the difficulties that Paul had in his life how is it that Paul is still able at this point to be able to write with such uh just a just a longing and a dearness in his heart of the people who were in that church and we see the just the pastoral heart of Paul and Paul's longing for the folks in the church matter of fact one of the things that Paul also had done was he sent Timothy to the church at Philippi even though even though Paul could not go right at the moment he sent Timothy to the church and he also sent Epaphroditus And sometimes we read over this portion, and if you go to chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, you find where Paul sends Timothy back to the church at Philippi. Timothy goes back. And I want you to notice something interesting that Paul made and said about Timothy in verse 20 of chapter number 2. He said, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will uh, genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. He said, I'm sending you Timothy. And let me tell you why. Because Timothy had a very similar heart. A heart just like Paul's heart. And matter of, uh, matter of fact, Paul makes reference here in chapter number two of that son-father relationship that Paul and Timothy also had. And it was all for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there's Epaphroditus. We don't know a great deal about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. We know that he's mentioned twice uh, in the scripture. We find him here in chapter number 2 where Paul is also going to send Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus had attended to the needs of Paul. And matter of fact, we find that Epaphroditus had gotten very ill. Matter of fact, near to the point of death. We don't know exactly what that probably was. But we find that just the heart need for Paul to send Timothy and Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi to check on those who were in the church at Philippi. And in verse twenty-nine of chapter number two, I want you to notice what Paul says is he is sending them, especially of Epaphroditus, he said, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me in other words what you could not do Epaphroditus was able to do to attend to and meet my needs so I'm sending him back to you as well as I'm sending Timothy back because of how much I care for you but let's go back to chapter number four so Paul is going to exhort the believers in the church at Philippi And here's what he's going to do. He's going to exhort the believers in this way. If you look at verse number one and notice what he said, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. So in other words, in this way, he said, I want you to stand firm, church at Philippi. In light of all the difficulties, in light of everything that's taking place, in light of where you find yourselves, here's what I want you to do. In this way, I want you to stand firm. One of the interesting things that Paul is going to do here, Paul is going to unpack, he's going to unpack that phrase in this way, in verse 2 all the way down through verse number 9. He's just going to take it and just kind of unpack it for us, for us to be able to draw from it in our own hearts and lives of how we should walk each day in our lives, and especially when it comes to the church. One of the things that Paul had an interest in, And wanted to see in all of the churches and specifically to the church at Philippi. As he wrote to them, he wrote to them about this very subject and that was having unity in the church. Unity in the church. Well, if you look down at verse number 2, we'll find one of the concerns that Paul had for the church at Philippi. He said, I urge you, Euodia, and I urge Syntyche, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion or yoke fellow, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. But I want you to notice what he says about these two. He said, I urge you, Odia, and I urge. So he uses that same phrase for both of them, and I urge, Sintica, to live in harmony in the Lord. So in other words, there must have been some dispute between the two of them. And so here's what Paul says. In desire to see unity within side of the church, he urges both of them to come together in some means and to establish some harmony between the two of them. And matter of fact, that is the practical side of the local church, that we have unity within inside of the body. And when there is disunity inside of the body, then it affects the local assembly as a whole. And so Paul urges both of these to come together in some way to work out whatever may be the difficulty there and walk together in unity with inside of the church at philippi so it's interesting that we come to verse number three and so he urges is he urges a yoke fella or a companion a true companion in the church at philippi and so here's what he asked him to do come alongside of them and help them and matter of fact that should be a part of who we are Our desire is a local assembly as a family of believers here. It's a family, and one of the things that we ought to desire to do and to have as a desire of our own hearts is to see unity with inside of the family and among believers. That's pleasing to the Lord. Matter of fact, it also, in our testimony to the community around us, when we are together, unified for the cause of Christ, How much more can we accomplish when that happens? And so Paul urges them. And as you come down to the last part of verse number three, he said, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. They're believers. And so as believers, we should seek this to walk together and to share together. But then we come to the next part. And it's an, interesting, it's an interesting phrase because now I want you to notice what Paul says. He said, to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The next way is the joy of the believer's relationship with the Lord. The joy of the believer's relationship with the Lord. Let me ask you a question today. Where does your joy come from? Are you just as joyful apart from this place as you are in this place? Do we have joy in our hearts regardless of whether we're here or not? What about when we find ourselves in the middle of a very difficult situation? Is there joy in our hearts? I'm not talking about happiness here this morning I'm talking about true genuine joy is there joy you know we sing that song a little bit ago called victory in Jesus I heard an old old story how a savior came from glory victory in Jesus looking forward to what's ahead of us not concentrating on what's here today that which is temporary but where where does our joy come from Paul says rejoice, and notice where he says to rejoice at. He says to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? To rejoice. Why? Because I will say this to you, he'll never let you down, that's why. Have you ever considered what he did for you? When we consider all that he's done for us, we may not be happy, but can we still have joy? Can we still have an inner joy with inside of our hearts? It's not predicated upon the temporal things that we see around us. We can. And we must. That's why Paul writes it in the letter here. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Regardless of what has happened. Regardless of what may be taking place between Euodia and Syntyche regardless of what may be happening regardless of my circumstances regardless of where I'm writing this letter from Paul says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice it's not something in our lives as a believer that we just figure at some point in time that's something we think we will just kind of add to our Christian or believers walk repertoire no it ought to be at the top it ought to be about it ought to be about who we are because that joy is predicated upon the relationship that we have with jesus christ you see having joy and rejoicing in the lord comes from a deep down confidence that god is in control for the believers good and for his glory whose glory his glory not yours his not mine his that despite the circumstances at the end of the day we have that deep down confidence that God is in control for our good and for his glory sometimes I think we get this mindset as a believer that our life ought to just be a well God I mean I'm a believer God why would you allow this to occur why would you allow me to be in this situation God why would you allow for me to walk down this path have you ever thought about it this way and this is the most difficult thing and here's what Paul is trying to get across to us when you have that deep down relationship knowing that God is in control for for the believer's good and for his glory despite what the circumstances are even when we find ourselves sitting across the desk from the doctor when he relays some news to us that is not good news and it's going to require us to walk down a path we don't want to walk down But have you ever thought maybe God is just going to allow you to go down that path because we never know what opportunity may come our way for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be seen and be shared with someone who desperately needs it? Huh? Storm. You know, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Why would God allow that storm to hit us? Well, one day, why don't you ask him? But I can share something with you. As a result of the storm, there have been many lives that have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because of the storm. Was it an inconvenience? Sure it was. Was it difficult? Sure it was. Has it been hard to deal with? Sure it is. It's been difficult. And I think everybody in this auditorium this morning would probably admit that the day we find ourselves living in has been all but difficult. It has been difficult. Can we still rejoice? sure we can why understanding and realizing as a believer God's desire is for our good and for his glory do you remember Jesus when he was with his disciples and he walked by a, a young man that was sitting there and he'd been lame and blind and, 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 and matter of fact the disciples had this question so who sinned? Him or was it his parents? And what did Jesus say to them? Neither. It was for the glory of God. See, let me tell you something. That's, that's, that's the part you and I have a difficult time getting our hands around. What do you mean for the glory of God? Do you, did you read the rest of the story? I wonder what the rest of the story is going to be like for us one day. When we find ourselves around the throne of God himself, I wonder what the rest of our story is going to be like. Then we come to verse 6 of chapter 4. Not only are we told to rejoice, but then he says something else. He says, be anxious for nothing in other words don't worry how many worriers are there in here this morning any worriers here how many of you worry anybody worry the story is told of a 98 year old dear sweet saint of God and they ask her this question Matter of fact, they said, anything that you could contribute to 98 years of longevity of life. And here's what she said, I don't worry. They said, what do you mean you don't worry? She said, when the urge starts to come on, I just start the rocking chair, rocking faster and faster. And I don't worry and what does worrying do? When you read the scripture, even James himself talked about it. Jesus himself talked about it. You, listen, worrying you cannot add 1 cubit to your stature. And worrying about something, let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all have worried to death about something and then it didn't even happen? And how many of you beat yourself up because you worried about it? Huh? I think we all do so he says be anxious for nothing so he goes on and he said here's the reason you don't need to be you don't need to worry you don't need to be anxious about things he said but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known." No. let me tell you what Paul said take it to the Lord if it's that much of an issue if it's that big of an issue take it to the Lord by prayer and supplication but notice something else with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God that's what we should do with them when it comes I'll be the first one to admit because of my personality type and so on okay, it's real easy for me to go down that path of worry and it's a continual battle with me to keep telling myself why are you worried about something that may never occur and if it does, you just deal with it when it comes. Yeah, but... You know, you see folks, that they bite their fingernails all the way down to the quick. And then when it doesn't happen... And are you ready for this? Here's one of the other things that we find. Tomorrow may never come. And so why worry about something... Next week or next month that may never even get here. Well, Jesus spoke about this uh, subject in the Sermon on the Mount. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, talking about being a citizen of the kingdom. Matthew chapter number 6. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, You want the cure for worry? Here it is. You want the cure for anxiety? Well, here it is. So he said, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? look at the birds of the air they do not sow they nor reap nor gather into barns and yet their heavenly father feeds them are you not worth much more than they and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life or a single cubit to his stature whatever whatever part of our life it may be why are you so worried about clothing look at the lilies of the field And then he goes on to talk about Solomon. Even was not Solomon in all of his glory clothed like one of these? But then you come down to verse 33 and verse 34. And notice what he says. But to do what? But to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble (laughs) of its own there's no need to worry now I'm going to say something to you this morning that's easier said than done let me tell you why because we're all human but where's our focus where's our attention at and then we see the answer to in verse number 7 let's go back to Philippians chapter number 4 The answer to this worry is found in verse number 7. And the peace of God, in other words, divine peace, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a divine peace. And here again, that's that peace that comes from that deep down relationship that you have with him. Knowing that just like Jesus said, if 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 the Father is concerned that much about creation, how much more concerned is he about you? Especially as a believer. And here's an interesting thought. Praying people are peaceful people. When you think about it. And then finally Paul addresses the thought life in verse number 8. This is the part that everybody quotes so often. Okay? But you see what we often do is we go to that one verse and we pull it out. You need to look at it in in, in the whole entire context that Paul is speaking about here. He starts off with unity in the church with Euodia and Sintica and about urging them to seek harmony within themselves and he goes on to encourage us to rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice he said there's no need for you to worry but in everything that we come and see in verse number 7 in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God in other words a praying people a confident people based upon a deep down relationship that we have with jesus christ and then we come to verse number eight and so he said this is the way you ought to think every day this ought to be this ought to be what's in your mind every day when you're going throughout your day he says so finally brethren he's going to deal with the believer's thought life here he said whatever is true Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report or good repute, if, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, He said, dwell on these things. These are the things we ought to dwell on. But how often do we allow Satan to get our minds so encumbered with everything around us that there is absolutely no way that we can hardly even think straight? Ever been there? so that's where it requires sometimes for us just to kind of pull back and pull away. And to refocus. And to think on these things. And Paul says when you walk through all of this and you get to verse number 8, that's why he said, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are right, And oh by the way, this isn't this is not an exhaustive. Paul is writing these as he's he's going, but it's not exhaustive. Those things that are true, those things that are right, those things that are pure, those things that are honorable. Because watch this. Our walk is predicated upon our thought. so the way we walk the way that we live life each day comes as a result of what we think and how we live well we come to verse number 9 and then Paul in the way that he writes is going to give us an application of the thought life look at verse number 9 the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Here it comes. You ready? Here's the application. Practice these things. Practice these things. He said to practice them. To practice them. How many of y'all have heard the old saying, practice makes perfect? How many of you would agree, just as it is in sport, if you don't practice, how can you expect anything to go right on the field? In our walk as a believer, how can we expect to walk right if we don't practice what we read? Huh? How many, of, how many of us have read through Philippians chapter 4 over and over and over and over again? You know, one of, that, one of the things that I encourage you to do when you're reading and studying Scripture, pay attention to the details. Out of all nine of these verses, you come to those three words, practice these things. See, many of us stop at verse 8. Well, yeah, I think on those things that are true. I believe the Bible's true. I, I believe it, okay? Pure. and the list. And then look at the end of verse number nine, He said, "And when we do this, the God of peace will be with." the God of peace look back up at verse number 7 and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in other words it is beyond our understanding the peace of God and to have the peace of God in our hearts is what will allow us then To think on those things that are true. To think on those things that are pure. Do you see the way they build upon each other here? And So Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says practice these things. You see the key to godly living is godly thinking. So if we think like the world then guess how we're going to walk. We're going to walk like the world. but when we think the way that we ought to then we'll walk the way that we ought to turn with me to Proverbs chapter number 4 Proverbs chapter number 4 you know Proverbs is an interesting book if you want to know how to live your life, go read the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Proverb a day. But notice Proverbs chapter number 4, beginning in verse 23. really from verse 20 down through verse 26 we see four parts of the life of an individual here you see you see the ears in verse 20 you see the heart in verse 23 and notice what he says about the heart he says watch over your heart with all diligence why for from it flow the springs of life It's also written, for out of the heart man speaks. We walk our walk every day based upon what is inside of our hearts. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. Does that mean we're going to have difficulties? Sure it does. But we can seek to live each day the way that we should. And then he goes on. In verse 24, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all of your ways will be established. And all of your ways will be established. So, Philippians chapter 4, finally, verse 4, Let me finish it with this way. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say. Rejoice. See you'll not be able to rejoice in the Lord. You will not be able to. Understand the peace of God. Until first of all there's a relationship between you and Jesus Christ. Because you see, without that relationship, there is, there, is, there is no peace. There is no divine peace in your heart and life. And so the only way that that can be taken care of is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. And that was one of the things that Paul loved about the church at Philippi. Because they were partners together with him in the gospel. And my dear friend, the gospel is important. The gospel is about who we are. We're here today because of the gospel. And that's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, you'll never understand the peace of God. You'll never understand the fullness of life. You'll never understand the purpose of life until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? Well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to understand that you're a sinner condemned already in the eyes of a holy God. And that without Jesus Christ... You cannot take care of the debt that is, that is in place. Jesus Christ paid that debt. Jesus Christ was the only one who could pay that debt, and he paid that debt for you and I. But to realize that you're a sinner and you stand in need of Jesus Christ, and then number two, to repent of that sin. and To give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart believes. And confession is made through the mouth. To the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you a question today. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? If you don't. I would encourage you today to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning as a believer, let the words of Paul this as he begins to close the letter. He said I just want to encourage you church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord because of the relationship that you have with him. So church, if I could encourage you today would be this to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Because of why? Because of the deep down relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the letter to the church at Philippi. And Father, I pray that we would take and glean from it the truths that you would have us to see. And that Father, we would practice them we would practice them each day in our lives. Father to be what you've called us to be. And Father even with our imperfections and difficulties. Father just to seek to please you each day in our lives. And Father even in the difficulty of the day that we find ourselves today. We can still rejoice. We can still rejoice in you. Knowing that our good is at your heart. But more importantly. Is your glory. Father may we rejoice. Today. I pray for that one this morning that needs Jesus Christ as her personal savior. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone to come to the point to experience that peace in their own life. So, Father, this time we place into your hands pray your perfect will be done in every heart and life that's here today. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. As we sing together this morning, has God spoken to your hearts? just step out and come if you need jesus christ today as your personal savior i'd love to speak with you about it this morning you can leave here today a child of god as a believer whatever the need may be why don't you just be obedient to god as brother red comes to lead us now as we sing together
1: just as i am without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou bidst me come to Thee, O Lamb. God, I come, I come, just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul dark blood to Thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God. I come broken to be mended, I come wounded to be healed, I come desperate to be rescued, I come empty to be filled, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms, praise God, just as I am. Just as I am, Thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God. Just as I am, thy love unknown hath broken every barrier down now to God, I come, I come, I come broken to be mended, I come wounded to be healed, I come desperate to be rescued, I come empty to be filled, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms, praise God, just
0: as I Here's what I want you to do this morning. We're going to practice these things. Do you remember verse 4? If y'all would be seated, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter number 4. We're going to go back through the whole message again. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice. On the count of three, we're going to say it together. One, two. Y'all are good. You know that? Here we go. One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. Amen.